Welcome to the Story Bar podcast. This is your host Garima. In the series of conversations storied with Garima, I look forward to hearing your story, learning about your journey and all the milestones you have covered by simply being who you are, by simply being yourself, bringing extraordinary stories of ordinary people online at the Story Bar. With love and light, Garima. Today I would like to take a moment to recognize Redem and the great work this organization is doing in the area of human trafficking and sex trafficking. Redem is a pro bono crowdsourcing and networking movement about improving the human condition by connecting highly skilled individuals to the organizations that need them the most. Redem provides opportunities to connect professionals, network and talents with solutions to help spread awareness of the horrendous world of sex trafficking. They host events to support organizations like Redeemed that owns and operates a safe house in the Houston area where they have provided restoration services utilizing a nationally recognized trauma-informed approach to women who have been rescued from their traffickers. The house is not only a safe space for the women to reside but is also a place of healing and hope for the journey ahead of them. We are so proud of Redem and the work that it is doing in this space. If you too wish to contribute and make a difference, please follow Redem on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. You can also reach out to the founder of Redem, David Reed on LinkedIn. He is the CTO and CMO at National Oilville Barco. Feel free to let him know what skills you would like to offer and how you would like to contribute to the cause. Joining me at the story bar today is Gobi Dasu. He's the founder of Learning Dollars. I'm so pleased to have you here with me Gobi today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you Garima. Gobi tell us your story. What is Learning Dollars all about? What has been your inspiration? What has been your why behind this organization? Sure, yeah. So Learning Dollars or for short LD Talent is a network of vetted software developers who are financially incentivized to engage in lifelong learning. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I am interested in this area is because when i was in my undergrad at stanford i had experienced a lot of uh, interest in recruiting software engineers and i noticed there was a large demand for recruiting skilled software engineers mm-hmm. so that was one event and then the other event is i went and traveled to 35 different countries of varying gdp per capita uh countries like morocco india mexico uh spain uh serbia Uh, Israel, Turkey. Wow. And what I found was that as I witnessed uh these countries, I witnessed I met a lot of smart people. But I noticed that those smart people were not in the same demand as the smart people who are living in the Silicon Valley. So it it almost was like based on your location, mm-hmm. you get a huge boost or or not. and so that was the the second event that happened and then the third thing i noticed at that time was that 
increasingly all the major universities in the world were putting their courses online. Right. And so what I found was that, you know, there's something here. Maybe, so maybe we could solve that wealth inequality problem mm-hmm. by finding smart people who are in geographies outside of the Silicon Valley right. and actually paying them to learn from the high quality resources that are free online. So right. giving them a financial incentive to do that. Mm-hmm. And then after they do that, they're ready, uh, they're skilled, and they're just as good as the, the developers in the Valley. And then we could connect them with the opportunities uh, in, in, in industry in, in the United States. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what I was thinking was maybe we could go even one step beyond that. Eventually, if we create a community of lifelong learners, mm-hmm. it's, they don't just, it doesn't just need to be a client developer type of relationship or an outsourcing model. What can happen is once we've created a strong enough network, we can actually invest directly in the ideas of the developers in the network and give right. them, help, help them start their own startups. And that hasn't happened yet, but, but the lifelong learning and the client developer relationships have happened so far. And so that, that's, the, that's the sort of story and the idea. And it's heavily influenced by my travels to uh, over 35 countries uh, and, and also my experience in different, in different geographies with different people. Right, right. That's very interesting, I would say. And where did you find some of the gaps that exist when we talk about talent, skills and connecting them with the right resources? Sure. So, so what I found was that there's this blanketed assumption often in, in more developed economies Mm -hmm. that outsourcing your work always leads to worse quality. And so I, I, I had, I was curious about that. And initially when I was in my, at Stanford for my master's and undergrad, I, I started hiring freelancers online from places like, uh, India and Nigeria and uh, Kenya and Philippines. Mm-hmm. And what I found was that, and we'd invite them to Slack and, uh, right. and engage with them. And what I found was that the gap is actually on the end of the global corporations that are often nine out of 10 times based in the United States. I think that they have outdated conceptions of the skill level of developers and other knowledge workers in what I like to call majority world countries. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're what we know as developing countries, but I like to call them majority world countries because they're the majority of the world. And so what I found is that the gap is people think that location matters, Mm -hmm. but actually the reality is I found that if I just do a little bit of vetting and, make sure that the person I hire uh, is good. Yes. Which you need to do regardless. Right. It really doesn't matter where they are in the world. And so that is something that really, really struck me um, during my, during my time when I was hiring developers. And so that's actually what I feel is the gap is it's on the employee employers end, not the employees end. 
the employees actually do have the skills. Now, sometimes what happens is even the communication part, you can mm -hmm. vet people and find people who are good at communication, good and able to communicate and who are great developers or whatever the knowledge work that they do. Right. Uh, I think that the gap is, uh, is more on the employer's end. I think on the developer end though, uh, one thing that could be increased is if there is a gap on, on the worker end, it's, it's this awareness of how much you can just learn from your computer if you have an internet connection. Right. So sometimes uh, developers in our network become aware of other resources. Like they know about Coursera, but they may not know about one particular edX module, right. or they may know about uh, these online courses, but they may not know about particular resources that, that could be helpful. And it's literally just awareness. And as we have a community now of up almost a thousand developers, they share resources with each other. And so there's no gap in that sense. Anyone who knows, each developer knows one, how to get access to learn something, to whatever they need. Two, how to get access to it for free. Three, what, what is the most optimal thing to learn at any given point in time to advance their career. Right, right. So you have actually created a very strong community of talented people, right? And mm -hmm. what were some of the challenges that you experienced in the initial phases of this uh, organization? Sure. So, so a lot of the features of our platform are actually caused by times when I was pulling my hair out where we had problems happening. Right. So one of the first features that we built out was our, our own uh, payment system that's based on Slack. Mm -hmm. So what we found is that even though there are a lot of developers who are great, there's going to be a 5% uh, of people who take advantage of clients and they, you know, track too much time for something that's not reasonable right. or, uh, and so what we did was, and that hurts the developers who are honest and doing great work Absolutely. because then, so what we developed was a Slack-based uh, work session uh, where what developers write into Slack chat half an hour working on a particular feature. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then later on, what we did was we let clients have the ability to approve or reject those work sessions based on the quality of the individual message. Mm -hmm. And this, the reason why we chose half an hour is based on this technique called the Pomodoro technique, which is a productivity technique where you work for... 25 minutes and rest for half an hour. And it really helps you that five minutes of rest helps you reflect on what you did and, wow. and make sure that you're on track for your goals. And so, so this system of having developers write down a little summary of what they did mm -hmm. and every four half an hour work sessions even include a GitHub commit to the code that they develop. Those kind of little productivity things have actually made a big difference in helping us highlight the strengths of developers from different geographies mm -hmm. uh, while keeping the clients uh, in trust of the platform, like keeping their trust by letting them approve and uh, approve work sessions when they're satisfied. And so it also put, uh, helps the developers show their best work. And so that's one feature that is the result of a problem where I was not sure how to get, the best developers on the platform right. shown to clients and impressing clients and keep only the good developers who are able to do good work. And so another feature has been to 
create a lot of statistics on developers. How risk in the future of work, every your, Slack has become our workplace, especially with the pandemic. Slack yeah. has become our workplace. And so people want more modern ways of understanding how good workers are to have a more meritocratic system. So one of the things that we developed was just statistics on how responsive a person is in Slack. Mm-hmm. We have a resp- uh, response time that we calculate on every developer in our network uh, for, for how soon they respond. Do they respond within six hours, 12 hours, 24 hours? And that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. What, what percentage of work sessions that a developer tracks are approved by clients that they've worked with in the past? How satisfied have clients been? And uh, how many, and also how, how interested are they in learning? How many mm-hmm. pr- passion projects have they done? Um, in terms of learning when they're not assigned to clients. So that's another thing that basically clients came in and they're like, right now, when I go to your website and I search for developers, it's awesome that I can search your platform, which was another feature that was added based on client feedback. We can search for developers that we want. But looking at their resume doesn't tell us much. We want to know more details about what this per- who this person is. We don't want to judge them based on the country that's on their profile. And originally we had put the country right next to their name. Now we put the country in some corner because the country shouldn't matter. What matters should be uh, what are, how responsive they are, how, 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 how many satisfied clients they've had, things right. like that. So, so that, those are some of the features that we've built based on problems that we've seen before uh, where clients are dis- disappointed and developer and when clients are disappointed developers are disappointed because developers want more work and so it's very important um that we highlight the best developers to retain the best clients and so that's those are some of the learnings that we've had that's very efficient that's how i'm looking at it it sounds very efficient and something (laughs) you have achieved over a period of time right and if we talk about this platform who can Mm -hmm. be a developer at learning dollars yeah so anyone with an can be a developer but there are two tracks so mm-hmm. one track is if you've gone to a re- university that we recognize as a well-established computer science university and we keep track of the top computer science universities in uh, for instance india pakistan bangladesh uh, nigeria kenya uganda mexico brazil Philippines, etc. So we keep U- Ukraine, uh, we keep track of those, the top universities. And if you have a degree from one of those universities, you can skip some of the milestones. Mm-hmm. If not, we still don't care, we will still admit you into the network. But you need to go through a series of paid training milestones. And the point is that regardless of whenever you're learning on our platform, you will make a little bit of money, not a lot, but a little bit of money will be paid to you. So you will get paid a little bit of money for passing exams in uh, introductory computer science algorithms uh, and uh, coding practicals. Uh, We run tests on your code and then have a little interview with each participant to make sure that they understand what they've developed and can explain it. And then they get a little bit uh, somewhere. um, These funds might be between 25 and 75 dollars and then they get a little bit more money for building some demo projects or or writing up a resume filling out our resume form and describing their work Uh, and so then at the end of that paid training plot pipeline they become part of our network Uh, if they've gone to an elite university they 
just have to go through an interview, interview and fill out their resume and they become part of our network. But our vetting doesn't stop there. Even mm -hmm. once they're in our network, uh, we make sure that they're responsive in Slack, that they're, uh, they're able to do good work on passion projects or on client projects. And it's really almost, there's a hard cutoff of, mm -hmm. you can be anyone and you get in based on your merit. But then there's also, and you can just, you can always reapply and you can keep coming. So we never, our answer is never no. Our mm -hmm. answer is yes, you can come in or yes, but you need to do this to come in. And um, once they're in, we're also keeping track, right? Uh, some developers are very responsive and good. And so they get surfaced to clients more. And some developers may be new. Some developers may have disappointed quite a few clients. And we want to give opportunities to the people who care about, uh, you know, doing good work for clients. So that's, that's how it's been so far. Right, right. And all of this is operating online, right? 100%. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when we are talking about an online community, communication is an integral part of it. Communicating right. the right story and communicating in the right manner with your employees. Right. How do you look at that and what values do you emphasize upon when we are looking at communication, internal and external within the LD talent team? Yeah, sure. So, so you're, you're asking what kind of qualities uh, strike what us as good. What values do you really believe in when we talk about communicating within your organization and also with people outside the organization right so i think that our our the communication that we we foster has a lot to do with the values of the company itself and the values of the company itself we actually have these written down we have the whole uh our our, our mission and our motto is to learn to earn and and uh our we have our mission etc we want to create this culture that's very international so very respectful of people of different cultures, but at the same time, uh, we want to maintain quality. So we want to say that it doesn't matter where you're from, what your culture is. And we, we always announce in our Slack, uh, you know, uh, holidays from all over the world, from different cultures, uh, different religions and, and scientific uh, uh, things as well. So uh, we, we try to create that very broad culture in that sense. But at the same time, we also try to create a culture of accountability, what's good and what's not. What's important is to be responsive. What's important is to, to show good quality work. Uh, and, and so those are the things that, that we really, really value. Uh, one of the biggest things that strikes me that I would say summarizes everything is transparency. Mm -hmm. so, so one of the things that we want a client, so we're being transparent. LD Talent is transparent about its the cut that the platform takes. The platform takes a fixed percentage cut that we publicize on our website for any rate and engineers can set their own rates. And mm -hmm. in the same way, we expect engineers to be transparent. We expect them to keep all their communication uh, visible to the platform with the client. And we expect them to um, you know, uh, be transparent about what they're working on. In every work session, you don't wanna just say, I wrote some code. You wanna say what specific feature you worked on and Maybe even better is to include a git commit to some code that you published uh, during that period of half an hour. And so, so 
we, we want to create that culture of transparency to, to really prove to the world that it doesn't matter whether you're uh, sitting in uh, with your laptop in Darjeeling or whether you're, 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 you have a giant monitor and you're sitting um, in downtown New York City. It really doesn't matter uh, where you are located. Uh, all that matters is what, what comes out of your mind. And, and if you can be transparent about that, that's all that matters. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's a great point, actually. And moving on, Gobi, how are you looking at the current crisis? These are unprecedented times. We have never seen anything like this before. And we do not know how the situation will evolve in the times to come. How are you looking at this crisis? And in what ways has it impacted your team? Sure. So... So the crisis is a very important time in history. And I think that it's, it has both negative consequences on the whole world as well as opportunities. Right. So, so I want to focus more on, in my answer on the opportunities. Uh, so, so the negative consequences are there and we all know about them. But one of the things that we can learn from this is uh, some of the things that we can do to shape, we are basically getting a chance in history to rewrite how our society operates. And so at this time, one of the things we can already see is think we need to think about time, how we need to think about helping people save money, especially the people who need to save money. And we need to think about saving the environment and creating equal opportunity. So those are some of the themes that I'm interested in, uh, in terms of this uh, pandemic. And it's very related to what we see in, in at LD Talent. Uh, so so one, the, let me start with, with the time. Mm -hmm. I would often talk with developers. I, I remember one developer that, that uh, I worked with, um, he had to commute for two hours each day to the IT office where he worked mm -hmm. uh, before he joined LD and two hours back. And he used to be frustrated about how long, how much time would get, you know, he didn't get time, time to spend with his family or, or friends at home. And so I think that in the new world that we're shaping, if work can be done online, we should allow that to happen because it helps people spend time with their family at home. It helps them take care of their responsibilities. And also um, there's this other uh, mother of three uh, in the Philippines that I work with, and she doesn't feel comfortable going into an office, but it doesn't really matter for, for her because she's able to work online for LD. And, and uh, I think that more employers, if they make their themselves open to hiring people online forever, mm -hmm. then they will find that they basically 10x the pool of people that they can potentially hire and they can find brilliant people outside the stereotypical um, guy in Silicon Valley who comes into the office and uh, is able to spend 9 to 9, <laughs> 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. So I think that that's one thing. So it helps people spend more time with their family, but at the same time, it also opens up to people uh, who can work from home really, really nicely. Uh, and, and that increases the demographics and brings the demographics more diverse. I think the second thing I said was about 
about money. So mm-hmm. companies save a lot of money by not having an office. It mm-hmm. creates a lot of waste, but also people save save money by not spending on their commute uh, and it prevents accidents and things like that, especially in developing countries where infrastructure is is a tough issue. And when you have crowded streets, you see accidents happen all the time. So all that kind of thing that gives you a headache um, every day goes away. And so, so I think that that's another thing. So people will save more money only on the things that they really need uh, and and spending more time with their family and on and spending their money on their family rather than on their their commute and things like that. And then the third thing is the environment. So I, as you know, in a lot of places in the world, the skies have cleared up and uh, because of pollution, uh, not happening as much because people are not traveling particularly in urban areas. Right. I think that we'll see a de-urbanization to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that all of a sudden people may realize I don't need to live in a very crowded city. I can have a bigger lot in my in my hometown, in a smaller town or in a rural area and look at the stars at night uh, for, for the first time in years. And I can still be a software engineer or a designer or whatever. And so I think that that's sort of, it'll be a sort of, it reminds me of almost like the olden agricultural or even hunter-gatherer days where people lived, humans lived in small groups. But it's different in that even though humans are living physically in small groups, we're connected to this overall virtual world, which is more connected than any large city in the world. So it's almost like a digital village or something like that. And so those are the three trends I see. And LD in this place, LD has a very strong role here, uh, I think, because we are starting to create a purely online community that's very strong. We found that everything, we, sh- we have channels where we share different films that we watch. We have town halls. We have discussions about our vision where we have webinars. And uh, we have uh, you know, channels where we share about holidays and things. So we are creating every aspect of a physical culture in a remote setting on Slack or, or Zoom. And some people say it's not the same. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's not the same, but in some ways it can be even better because you get to include people from all over the world, not just in your particular geography or partic- people who have particular abilities. Right. And so I feel like it's more fair in a sense. It's more inclusive in a sense. Uh, so, so that's LD's role in this. It's basically letting people who would have never met before, uh, you know, uh, an MBA grad from uh, Harvard Business School who raised a million dollars in funding instead of blowing all that money on one developer um, who is in the US can hire some developers in Nigeria and one developer in Philippines and work with them and everybody wins in that sense because you're creating global economy so uh, a truly global aspect of that so 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 I think the future is actually going to be reset by this pandemic and be more meritocratic more egalitarian and uh, more fair, uh, uh, more fair, right. uh, more just. So, right. so I, I'm excited for it. Right, right. Tell me one thing. Is there anything that you miss in particular? Because we have transitioned to this new environment, connecting with people online and doing things for which we never had time for before. And things are entirely different. Is there something that you miss about the 
previous time and you feel that that is something for which there is no match well i think the main thing is i mentioned that i travel to a lot of countries right, right. and i do enjoy travel so one thing i'm concerned about and i'm always concerned about bureaucratic red tape Mm-hmm. But one thing I'm concerned about is that, so I'm actually not particularly upset mm-hmm. about the new way of traveling. I'm actually quite excited about it, but I'm worried whether it'll actually happen. And I'll tell you what I mean. Mm-hmm. So when I heard about this pandemic happening and it could last for five, three years, five years, 10 right. years, forever, I don't know. Uh, what I'm worried about is bureaucratic red tape on borders. So if, so what I first thought is, okay, uh, travel, you can't stay in a hotel, you can't stay in a hostel or whatever, you can't go in pr- public transportation or trains or whatever. But maybe one thing that might take off is RVs. So recreational vehicles where people live in those sort of, almost like hunter-gatherer bands almost. People nice. live in their own band and they travel in a moving RV whenever they need to travel. And I had this vision like that. And there is statistics, especially in the United States, that RVs are increasing in popularity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But one of the, so I actually think there could be a vision like that, that, that people travel more in RVs than people travel and their social distance. So they don't engage so much in travel of cities and museums and things like that, but they engage more with nature. And I think that going to the mountains and going, going to more isolated beaches and things and experience nature and the stars more. So I, I think that that is something I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I am worried about to answer your question is, say you have an RV and, and, and you have an RV and you're in Delhi or something, right? Um, you can take your RV and, and go to the Himalayas. It's, it's okay. Um, but with our border situation, you may not be able to go to uh, Nepal or right. Myanmar, mm-hmm. Burma. You may not be able to dr- drive your RV to Thailand even or whatever or if you're in the u.s you may not be able to take that awesome trip on your rv from from the united states down to argentina so that is something that i personally was looking forward to that i'm worried might not be able to happen because i'm trying to go to 100 countries and i'm i'm not sure that borders will be as open i feel like maybe it would be nice Mm -hmm. if people even though everything is online if people could still travel, if they made sure to socially distance while they, they travel. So at least they can experience the nature, it, uh, natural aspects. Every human being should be able to visit all the nature um, of the world, not just the nature in their particular country, which sucks if you live in a small country also. <laughs> so that, that's one thing. That would be amazing because, yes, if that connection can still be retained, nothing, yeah. nothing like it. Yeah. In the same context, in the same background, when we talk about any small company, any startup, right? You are a young entrepreneur. Your company has come a long way now. Now, in the times of social distancing, lockdown, and when we are virtually communicating with people, Mm -hmm. how important has an online presence become for small business owners and startups today. How important is a social media presence for not just individuals, but also for companies? 
Yeah. I, so it was already happening even before the pandemic, but I actually think the, the online presence is the presence. <laughs> like that is the main right. thing. Right. Uh, I think we'll change our entire paradigm of how we define ourselves. We, we as a company, we don't define, define ourselves by a physical office. We define ourselves by our website, by our social media, by our Slack organization. That is our company. And I think increasingly small businesses and, and startups will define themselves in that same way. Right. Even if you're a logistics company, an e-commerce company like Flipkart or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, you can, or Amazon, people will define themselves by their ideas and by these more intangible assets as opposed to, to physical things. Uh, even, if, even if you're in the end shipping physical products to people. Right, right. And there are some businesses who have particularly gained from this situation, but there are some companies who have not. They are struggling. They were about to pick up, but things dramatically changed. Now, as a founder, as an entrepreneur, what is your message for these uh, business owners and companies? Yeah, I, I think that one of the things that's that's important is to pivot mm -hmm. and uh for instance one of the things that when i also pivoted uh with ld initially we had thought that uh, instead uh, initially we had actually thought about english language instruction and helping people around the world just uh you know paying them to learn english and then get online work and what we realized was that that wasn't a viable business model and it was tough but we decided to pivot and so i've seen pivots before and we've had pivots also from being smaller pivots, like from being a dev shop to being a um, being a more of a marketplace of developers. And so I think that pivots are hard, but I think that's what makes a successful company because no matter what, whether there was the pandemic or not, you were going to have to pivot. Now you have to pivot stronger. Yeah. And I think that I don't think that anyone's vision. Uh, if it, I, I think in most cases, your vision is probably as an entrepreneur going to be, be about helping people. So, so regardless of whether there is a pandemic or not, you should be a vision to be able to, to help the people that you were intending to help before, right. regardless of the pandemic. Uh, right. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in your journey so far, Gobi, who is that one person who has inspired you the most? Because whatever path we may take, there is always someone who joins hands with us and is there through thick and thin. If you had to name one person, who would that be? Hmm. That, that's an interesting question. So uh, are you talking about a person I personally know or like a, 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 yeah, a person? Anyone, okay. Well, I would, I would probably have to say my mom because she's very supportive of, of our company. She's also a developer and uh, she helps a lot with, with the company uh, in terms of, she actually has built out software for our company. Wow. Uh, some of the, uh, you know, website uh, forms, like are, are the form that initially we had this problem one time mm -hmm. where in, engineers would be, uh, you know, putting in res skills that they didn't necessarily have to make sure they get more matches. And so my mom actually just came in 
without me asking. And she just uh, built out a form that validates whether the developers actually uh, can make sure that if they say they have a skill, they're including a description of how they use that skill in a particular setting. And that's helped prevent so much uh, fraud on our platform and help good developers get better, better matches to clients. And so, so I, I, I would say, I would say that that is, that, that is my answer to your question. Beautiful, beautiful. And what skills, Gobi, do you really think would help people stand out? Because entrepreneurship is not easy. Running your own mm. organization is not easy. You have to have certain core technical skills as well. And also mm -hmm. some soft skills that we are looking at. There is emotional intelligence, not just IQ at play here, right? What mm -hmm. are some skills that you feel really made a difference for you? Oh, me personally. Yeah, I think that especially as we move into this remote work world, uh, being tech savvy and being tech uh, technically strong is very important. Uh, so even if you're trying to be a business person, uh, I think that it really starts with the technology. Gone are the days when business is done um, through political connections. Uh, I think that it's going to be with the new pandemic world, it's not going to be easy at all to get business done with political connection. I think it'll be a lot more meritocratic and fair. And so, so I think that the people who will stay, so if you look at wealthy countries versus um, countries that are not as wealthy, you look and look at the richest people in the wealthy countries. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at the richest people in the United States, for instance, they're all software developers right. at first, right? If you look at the richest people in countries that are not wealthy, that have not as strong institutions, you'll find that they might have political connections. So they run their business by political connections. Mm -hmm. And so I think increasingly we'll find that people who want to start successful businesses, they'll need to be hands-on. They'll need to be technical. They'll need to be in the weeds, sorting out the logistics, um, talking to people. They can't just sit back and, and tell other people what to do because they have some connection or other. It'll be about how good they are at, and how solid they are at their core um, the, the core product or, mm -hmm. or service behind their mission. So no longer can you, you start a technology company just through political connections or whatever. If you want to start a technology company, you have to be good at coding. If you want to start a robotics company, you have to know the linear algebra and machine learning behind robotics. Uh, so it really starts with putting in the hard work to learn the, um, learn the difficult things that, you, you, that you need to know. So to be a leader, you have to know what your, the people you hire are working on. And I think it applies not just, I think increasingly a lot of the economy will move into technology mm -hmm. already within the United States, uh, a, almost a, more, more than a third of the stock market is dominated by technology companies. Mm -hmm. And another huge fraction is di dominated by biotechnology. Right. I think increasingly industries are going to be disrupted by technology and this is sounds cliched but it's going to be increasingly so with the pandemic right. almost every thing in technology or biotechnology and so it's people who are really strong technically strong in academics things like that people who are care about studying and and their own education they will be the next business leaders 
right. not people based on their connections, but people who work hard, who study well, and, and who put in the effort um, to lead through, lead by example. Uh, that, that, that I think will be the future. So, so it'll be, so to answer your question, I think it'll actually be harder. Mm -hmm. uh, but it'll be harder for people who got away with becoming business leaders earlier through connections. It'll be easier for people who, you know, that smart software engineer who's always working hard or that designer who's very technical and, and uh, cares about product. It'll mm -hmm. be easier for them to become successful as entrepreneurs. Right, right. And on this note, how do you look back at your journey and what are some of the milestones you are looking forward to? So, so far, uh, this current business model of LD Talent has been active since 2018, so around two years. Mm -hmm. And I've learned, as I've told you, I've learned so many things about just the psychology of customers and the psychology of developers and how to sort of help these two people come together and work effectively. And I keep track of the history in detail mm -hmm. of what mm -hmm. we've done and each change that we've made based on customer feedback. But in the end, what I've learned increasingly, if I were to summarize it, is just talk to the customers and talk to the um, people working uh, with you and try to get as much of their feedback. And you may not take all of it, but write it all down in a spreadsheet and try to understand it. Because when I live in my own head, I found that I've made mistakes. And then I'm always hit, like worried about it and beating myself up saying, oh, I wish I knew that before. And actually, if I just listened to the people more and asked more people for feedback, I would have found that out sooner. So I'm trying to do that more and more. Uh, that's one of the things so far. What I'm looking forward to in the future is I really don't want this to just be a platform where we match engineers to clients. Mm -hmm. I want it to be a platform where we have, you know, invested money and time in the, in almost a thousand developers now. And so I want to help those people branch beyond development and have these people who are, have the strong technical base. I want to help them start their own ideas, you know, help them engage find problems that they care about and start companies based on that. And I think those will be the best entrepreneurs, the ones who have done the, the development or the design before. I think that it would be nice if LD within the two years or so could create a fund where we even within two years, if we could invest in just one developer instead mm -hmm. of matching them to a client, if we could actually have them build out their own idea and give them a little bit of seed capital right. that can make a big difference because as we have more people, particularly in the majority world, not just working for clients, uh, global clients, but also mm -hmm. starting their own companies that sell products and services to clients around the world. That can really help them, their communities, their, their countries, grow their GDP, grow their influence, and create a more egalitarian, meritocratic world. So, so that's, the, that's, the, that's what I'm looking forward to in the next two to five years. Yeah. Right. And final, final note, why people should look at learning dollars as a platform that will make an impact, a very strong impact in the times to come. Yeah, I think that it's an idea that's never been done before. And it, but it's so reflective of so many parts of our history as a human society. I think that throughout history, we have seen extractive institutions and there's institutions that are inclusive and mm -hmm. we've seen the inclusive institutions succeed. So for instance, um, the United States, the reason why it grew so much in wealth 
during the 20th century is because it helped people who had good ideas get ahead. And right. so that's how so many inventors and entrepreneurs got ahead. So we've learned that from history. We've also learned from history because of the scientific revolution that people who care about doing experimentation, who care about academics and education and, and um, following a proper method for investigating knowledge, mm -hmm. they got ahead. That's what propelled European society to be so wealthy is because right. they, they supported their, uh, their, you know, the scientific thinkers to a while. They had some conflicts originally. And so I think we've learned from those two things initially. Um, I think one of the things that we've learned more recently is in Mexico, in India, in Colombia, in Kenya, we've seen governments come in mm -hmm. and quite smartly, we've seen them go to poor families in villages mm -hmm. and say, do this thing called conditional cash transfer, where they'll go through and they'll say, okay, you don't want to send your kids to school because you want them to work on the farm. So we as a government will pay you money to compensate you for the lost opportunity cost of having your kids not work on the farm and engage in child labor. Mm -hmm. So we'll pay you if you send them to school and they go attend school. And right. that has actually worked in a lot of cases. Right. Conditional cash transfer has worked. So we've seen all these different things where, you know, uh, countries have engaged in conditional cash transfer to help people get educated. And that's worked to an extent. We've seen people who get more educated, end up changing the world and becoming wealthier. So we've mm -hmm. learned this, but no one has put all this together in one idea. Right. And that's our vision is to create a education focused business. Mm -hmm. So we care about the education of the people on the platform. Right. That's one thing that we've learned from history. Mm -hmm. The second thing is the conditional cash transfer. If they don't want to engage in, they need to make money right now. So they don't have time to go and learn things because they need money right now okay, that's fine. We will pay you to learn. So that's the second thing. And combining those two things, not doing it for people in, in villages who don't want to go to school, but doing it for actual um, middle-class knowledge mm -hmm. workers who, if they get a better opportunity, can boost not just themselves, but their entire community around them. That's the second thing. Right. And then the third thing is the whole notion of inclusive institutions. So we want to have a system that's fair. It's not about your connections. It's about how good you are. And if you do well on the platform, if you're responsive, if you're, if you're very uh, good at your work, you, you push good code to Git and things, and you're transparent, then, then you will succeed. If we can combine these three lessons from history in one platform, I think it can be a great platform. It can help change a good part of the world, but it can also be an inspiration for future companies who want to, uh, you know, solve big problems, like solve right. big problems, problems as big as poverty and wealth inequality. Mm -hmm. I, I think that these, these three things coming together can actually make a difference. And it's something that's never been done before. So that, that's what I'll leave you with. Amazing, amazing. Because I see LD Talent truly as a game changer in this case. And it has so much power and potential. I believe in your work and your team's work and I'm sure there are miles to go but you guys are doing great you guys are doing amazing work and this is meant to be and meant to have that impact with which you created this platform the intent with which you created this platform 
So all my best wishes for uh, this project, Kobe. And thank you so much for sharing your story with me today. It's been absolutely amazing listening to you. It is very inspiring, so insightful, and mm-hmm. such fundamental aspects that you have addressed and highlighted in your story. There's so much to take home from mm-hmm. this discussion today. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciated your questions. They they helped me express what I couldn't have expressed otherwise. So I appreciate it. I'm Thank glad. You. I'm glad. Thank you so much.